just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right, how's it going today, Scott? Doing well. I'm, I'm particularly excited about this one. JD hopped on Red Boost Collective, really. I think by far our first partner in and has continued to double down with us. So he's been awesome. Our clients have been going there now for a few months and the feedback has been just tremendous. So I think there's a lot to learn from both sides, how we work together, how it works for him. I, I think this is a good one. So I'm really yep. looking forward to it. A different topic than last week, but I think it's fantastic to dive more into the tan world and see the kind of products out there and see who's actually delivering in the local market and how things got connected. Before we get into that, we'll get over JD here in a moment. But Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this one as well. I've chatted with JD over the years. And unfortunately, I can't say that he bought any of the sales that I was trying to bring his way. And I'm also disappointed to say that he I wasn't the catalyst that brought him into RevBoost. So I, I joined TAN in November and it was already underway. JD had already been talking with Brian about joining. But I was really excited to, to see JD. I've always in, enjoyed our interactions together. And I know that he has a fantastic operation down there. So I'll tie a couple pieces together and then we'll jump over to JD. So the first thing I want to mention is we're going to talk about two different names. And it's been a while since we've talked about TAN and RevBoost, but I just want to differentiate the two. So TAN is short for Travel Advantage Network. That's our vacation rental club, 80,000 guests and growing. We're in the process of acquiring some new guests and building them. And part of that growth was to make an offer back into the vacation rental industry to find new inventory to bring in to Travel Advantage Network. Our goal, again, just quick recap because it's been a few episodes, our goal as a vacation rental club is to get our guests traveling and engaged in travel. Our revenue model is completely different than a traditional vacation rental manager. Our revenue is generated from the club members, maintenance fees, travel fees to be a part of this club, not worried as much about the operational cost or generating a revenue. We want to make sure that everything's run well in the, in the field, but our revenue doesn't generate from a commission based on that operations in the field. So different business model, but with that comes a different approach to inventory. So over the last 30 plus years, almost 35 years, we've grown the club to 1200 plus units or homes but we've done that either internally where we bought and acquired the homes and then brought them into the club, or we partnered with individual investors or homeowners in order to bring them in. Up until November, we hadn't opened up this concept to the vacation rental industry. And to Scott's point, JD was one of the first ones that saw that opportunity and jumped onto it. So to give the other name, RevBoost Collective is the other one that you'll hear that Scott mentioned. RevBoost Collective is just what we call the group of managers that are coming together to leverage TAN. So in essence, JD brings his inventory into TAN to have exposure to our closed network of 80,000 guests. In return, we guarantee his rent so that he knows that he's going to get paid every month for these guests as they come through. He doesn't have to do marketing. He doesn't have to do reservations. He doesn't have to do guest services. He does still manage the operations for his units. So it's a newer concept for the industry, but I think there's a lot of value on both sides. So that was the goal of this discussion was to get JD on and try to understand exactly what that value is. Because as the industry starts to get exposed to our message, 
we want them to understand where that value is and why there's a good opportunity to work with Tan to one, get guaranteed revenue, but two, to start to offer more benefits to the homeowners so that you can start to keep homeowners. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but the market's changing. Times are changing. Homeowners' expectations are changing. ADR might be getting pushed down. Occupancy is on the cusp of potentially going down if we don't do the right things. TAN offers a really good opportunity to do that. So that's what led us into JD's world. But I'm really excited to chat with JD. Like I, I, I mentioned, always enjoyed it. But I think one of the nice points about JD is the market that he's in. Perdido is a really interesting market. So looking forward to learning more about that. Yeah, I think that's good context to set the stage and remind everyone because our last few episodes, as you correctly said, Adam, I've definitely not been on this topic. So that's great. Also, I've never heard that before. Someone not buying from you. So first time for everything. <laughs> Here he is. He's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Everyone else I know is instant close. JD, thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. So we'd love to learn more about you, your background, maybe how you got into the industry a little bit too, if you don't mind sharing that overview. And also one thing that we always ask all of our guests, a new guest of the show is a song that best describes you. So welcome. And we'd love to learn more. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Catch me off guard with a song that describes you. I, I looked at that and thought about it after listening to some of the podcasts and I was trying to figure out what that would be. And so I asked one of my kids, my daughter, and you're going to love this. She said, Fearless by Jackson Dean, which makes me feel like a great dad, like a really cool dad. <laughs> and my wife overheard that and she gave me that sideways look and was like, eh, maybe. And then so I asked her, I said, what do you think? And she said, you know, you really like country music. There's one from a while back by Kenny Chesney that's called There Goes My Life, right? And, and it talks about getting married young, having a kid young, being not being able to or being able to move to the beach, raising kids, the rewards of that, and then seeing one moved off to college. And actually in a month from today, we'll be moving our oldest to FSU to go live in the dorms there, which is a bittersweet moment. We're so proud of her. But I'll probably fall apart. I like to be the big tough dad. And the fact that her younger sister said fearless is awesome. But I'm going to have to go with two answers there. It depends on if you ask my kids or my wife. They're yeah. all multifaceted. Yeah. Two, two <laughs> so, incredible so. answers. Incredible. Yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah, JD, obviously, again, thank, thanks again for hopping on. That's great background for you a little bit personally. But what about on the professional side? So tell us a little bit about how you got into like property management, these properties that you were able to acquire. And then would love to hear more about the connection that you ended up having here with RevBoost. Yeah. So interestingly enough, my father-in-law called me and asked me for a favor one day. This is 2005-ish. At the time, I was managing a slots department at a casino. He said, hey, man, I need a favor. And I was like, okay, what's that? I was thinking, help him move something or whatnot. And he said, I need you to move to Florida. And I was like, that's not going to happen. There's no way. I had a great life. We're new parents. And he had this idea. We had bought condos as a family in 03 and 04. He didn't like the management style that was that we had experienced. I was really hands off with it. And he wanted to open up a rental company. And I said, I don't really like this idea. I'm sorry, I'm not the right guy. Katrina hits in 2005 when we lived in Baton Rouge. Okay, And the casino industry was very different thereafter. There was a lot of stuff happening that I didn't really care for. By no means a moral icon, but I thought maybe I need to make a change. And so I called him and I said, hey, let's go back and take a look at that. Let's look at your business plan. And he said, my what? And I went, okay, this is going to be more work than I thought. <laughs> Longer than short, we sat down, put a plan together. I moved out in 2006 and we had zero properties, but just before I moved, we were able to secure a contract to exclusively manage an entire complex with absolutely no experience. And so it was super high risk, something I'm very much not comfortable with. And when we got here, it was DIY everything. We had to build a website. We had to build a phone system. I had to do the check-in, the check-out for a while. I did housekeeping and maintenance and really learning from the ground up. 
So that, that starts about 2006. We have some great growth. We add a handful of properties. And then we had something bad happen. Okay. In 2009, there's actually like two pivotal moments in my career. One's in 2009, one's in 2015. We were trying for another child. Uh, Lindsay was having a hard time, my wife. And then we had a drunk driver hit us right after we found out that we were going to have a baby. It was really tough. And that moment told me, you know what? I can't do all of this myself. Um, I need staff to delegate. I need to be able to be there for my wife and my kid more than I have been because I just dove into this head first, working 15-hour days, 20-hour days, trying to build this business. So anyway, so a little bit of change there, bring on some staff, a little bit more growth. Shortly thereafter, I start selling real estate in addition to doing the vacation rental management. That's around 2013. In 2015, I opened a real estate brokerage. And this is the other moment that happens. One of my kids got really sick so sick that they thought she was going to pass away. And luckily, it's a very happy ending sometime shortly thereafter. She's the poster child for had a great, great journey, great doctors. We were fortunate to be able to navigate the insurance gauntlet that's there. And anyway, as we come out of that, I realized, you know what, I need to better empower my staff so I can focus on family, not just spend time with it. And so that was around 2015. I did that and I started taking on roles in the county here to try to advocate for short-term rentals. I took a position on a board here called Visit Pensacola, where ultimately I wound up being their treasurer and then their marketing chair. I tried to get, at the time, it was Desti Metrics to put together pacing reports for our market. Pretty good keys right between Pensacola Beach and Orange Beach and Gulf Shores. And I compare it to the beaches of South Walton, but, but a younger version of it. So where we've got great huge tourist meccas around us that feed into it, but we really didn't have any pacing to see how that was helping us. Luckily, we were able to get a handful of the lodging partners out here to agree to send in data anonymously. So that way we could come up with pacing reports for our area within the hotel industry for star reporting and whatnot. That wound up being great. Ultimately, we see rates rise here. I'm luckily with all of this focus on trying to do more with my family, I'm able to coach softball. Now I've got four daughters, again, move, oldest moving to FSU. And so really moving in the direction that I want to with the company. And now we are having a wonderful problem where we've got so much inventory coming at us that it's like drinking from a fire hose. And so our problems now are, again, good problems rather than those bad problems that I had that wound up being pivotal moments, how I, how I changed the way that I was operating the business here. Mm-hmm. And so you've been at this for some time. I guess I'm curious too, we've talked about this topic quite a bit on the podcast on recent episodes, the idea of there's almost like eras pre-COVID to during COVID and now we're in the post-COVID environment. What's been your experience there in your market, maybe like your 2019 demand compared to how were things the past, uh, let's say two years, 21, 22, in that range. And then how are things behaving today? Could you maybe just walk us through what those three eras have been for you for the past few years in terms of demand? Yeah, so- 2020 was pretty crazy, as everybody would expect. We all lived through COVID. Florida opened up some of the the hotel, but not the short-term rentals. Uh, There's a lot to unpack, and I'll go down a rabbit hole there. We get into 2021, and demand is through the roof. Unfortunately, in our area, we had been hit by Hurricane Sally in September of 2020. And so demand is through the roof, and supply was very limited, which allowed us to achieve higher rates for the supply that was here, which was fantastic. We were all concerned as to whether or not we'd be able to continue that into 2022. I say we, the other lodging providers here in Perdido and I, and and luckily we were. What we're seeing now is that we've got higher highs and lower lows, but our shoulder seasons are a little bit of a concern. The inventory that is super nice and has a, a great value proposition is doing well. That could be a penthouse that's been done up to the nines, or it could be the value property that's very competitively priced. 
but value is huge right now. If you're just run of the mill property, you're probably not doing very well. We're seeing that our ADR right now is a little bit up, but our occupancy is slightly down. Lead times are down a whole lot. And, and my effort right now with the homeowner, we call them our property owner partners, our property owner partners is to compel them to update as needed. Luckily, a lot of the properties here after Hurricane Sally got a facelift just because they had to get some sort of restoration work done. What we're facing with trouble is that some of those did not. And so now they're behind the eight ball where their comp set, the other units in that complex are nearby are a little bit nicer. Right now, certainly better than 2019, but we're starting to see it, I'll say, plateau out. Now, when I start looking at things like ADR and occupancy, some up, some a little bit down. Tell me a little bit about the connection that you did end up making with RevBoost and kind of the connection with TAN with regards to what units made the sense to have that conversation with, and then how you've been able to successfully onboard those units into the program and the results you've had so far. Yeah, sure. Immediately saw value in it. I mentioned that when I first started, there was a complex that we brought on and we're the exclusive management company in there. And that means I have to take all the good ones and the bad ones. Okay. (laughs) And so finding another audience to fill calendars is huge. We have families, we have couples and all that kind of fun stuff. In 2010, I was National Park Service employees because we had the oil spill that happened and affected our area. Every year we're seeking out active duty military. Luckily, Pensacola NAS is very close by. And so we have a lot of the young men and women doing flight training that will stay with us in our fall and bridge the gap between fall and winter. But with as much inventory we have, I really need another source of great revenue, guaranteed revenue to fill those calendars. And that coupled with these great rents that we were seeing, and then the writing on the wall that maybe the properties that weren't super nice inside were going to have a little bit of trouble. I, I was actively seeking out another audience and came across TAM. Okay. I worked with Bryant Booz, super nice guy, by the way. And no offense, Adam, but he's fantastic. Okay. Uh, we had a conversation about what the program could provide guaranteed revenue that gives some peace of mind to the property owners that I say are a little bit more calendar sensitive, maybe less risk adverse, okay, where they've got revenue staring at them in the face for the next 10, 12 months. The conversation that we had was one where we were able to keep our summer weeks from being included in that time. So that way I could still rent out the summer weeks at a peak value. Okay. My property owners love that because they could either come use it when the tourists are here and they can play tourists, or they could enjoy the higher revenue during the summer season while enjoying that guaranteed, all but guaranteed revenue stream in the off season for the duration of the agreement. And so for me, I looked at it and I thought, wow, this would be great to fill some calendars for the property owners. And then I could take the audiences that we have for traditional vacation rentals, like the families and the couples, and then for us, the active duty military, and fill them in the other calendars to ideally achieve higher occupancy throughout the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And Adam, this is how we've structured and talked about things before, but this is a great real world kind of case study, if you will, of some of these examples, right? Yeah, no, this is fantastic. So I want to touch a couple of things there. And JD, I want to get back to you at some point and help us understand how you got the exclusive on that building, especially with lack of experience leading into that, because that's a fantastic success story. And I think that other managers could emulate that in a lot of markets. I I don't think we do that enough. And Scott and I talk about this in the Ocean City market where we are. We want to target specific buildings and resorts. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. It makes everybody's life easier. So I'm curious about how you approach that, JD. But to address this sort of real world example, I'll touch on a couple of things. So first one, JD mentioned the idea of having summer weeks still available. And I think that's one of the benefits of TAN is that we can be flexible based on the needs of our partners. Now, 
for the most part, and for most of our partners, and it's a little bit easier on our side as well, we like the concept of annual leases because then we have the ability to control that full calendar. Now, with that said, even when we do annual leases, we'll still carve out two weeks for those homeowners. We recognize this is their vacation home and that they want to use it as well. So we'll carve out a week in the prime season, a week in the off season, so that the homeowners will always have access to their property. But JD mentioned the concept of keeping those summer months and there's a lot of benefit in a lot of markets to keep specific events or specific months because you know that there's going to be a higher return there. We are happy to make offers that are flexible around those needs. So we call it hybrid. The idea is that for a certain period of the calendar, you've got that guaranteed rent with TAN. But on those areas that you believe you can perform better, there's a big event, it's the summer months, whatever it is, then we will give you that unit back so you can put it back into retail. Now, especially as things change here economically and there's some pressures coming down in specific markets, that obviously carries some risk because you may not capture the retail market like you think you're going to capture it. And we don't have the ability to pivot really quickly and jump back in because those reservations are lagging in the retail market. We need 60, 90 days out in order to get it into the club, to get our guests to get in there and book. So it's not as if we can just pivot back and forth in this plan. We really need to go in with a thoughtful plan from the needs of the operator and the needs of the homeowner to figure out what that fit is going to be. But we're happy to be flexible around that. And that's the fit that JD has with us. The other thing I'll mention is that JD sees the value in it enough that, and we don't do this for a lot of people, but JD being the first one and also seeing the opportunity that I think we have moving forward, that we have an exclusive market with JD. So right now, JD is the only partner in Perdido that we've got. There are no other markets that we're looking at or working in right now where we exclusively have one person, but we're also open to doing that if there's a large enough inventory opportunity. We, When we think about, and I mentioned this at the beginning, that we opened this to the industry so that we could get partners. This isn't a sale like I've done with Point Central or with Breezeway where my numbers need to keep growing because the company's numbers need to keep growing and we need as much sales as we can possibly get. That's not the concept we have. We need the right partners with the right units that see the value in the partnership. We could have one partner in every market that we're going after if it's the right amount of inventory with the right partners. So it's not as if we need to scale every market to as many managers as we can. But JD has this opportunity, I think, in front of him, hopefully, where we can collectively work together to continue to grow that footprint with TAN units in that Perdido market. And then on his side, he has the ability to then go back into his marketing and start to offer guaranteed rent to the overall market. Now, there's some nuances to that we could get into if we want to, but the value there, and we've mentioned this in previous episodes with what Brooke has done with Venturi and his zero to 505 years. The reason he did that was with Vantage Realty as a partner of Travel Advantage Network, where he could go into Ocean City and offer guaranteed rent. Now, there's two paths that people take. You're going to get the phone to ring. Either it's a fit for TAN, and that's an easy transition into the program we're talking about, or it's an upper level, larger, more luxury home that's not a fit for TAN. And if that's the case, it's a quick pivot from a sales perspective to say, hey, Mr. Homeowner, it doesn't look like you're going to be a great fit for our guaranteed rent program, but I've got a great property management program that I'd love to talk with you about. That was Brooke's whole strategy in that zero to 505 years story. So when when 
JD is ready to approach it that way. He then has the ability now that he's partnered with us to go back into the market with that guaranteed rent concept. And we've expanded this now. We're working with Cyrus, who's white labeling this guaranteed rent. We're working with Casago, who's thinking about white labeling this guaranteed rent. So when we find the right partners, Tan can stay behind the scenes. This isn't a game of Tan needing to be the biggest presence in the industry. We want to stay behind the scenes and let our partners go out and leverage this opportunity that we're building collectively, hence the RevBoost Collective. We view this as a group of people all moving in the same direction. So JD now has the opportunity to then pivot and put this marketing back into his market, which would then hopefully gravitate more units to Tan, but also help JD grow in the way that he wants to grow. Has that kind of been part of your marketing focus so far this year, JD, is using some of those kind of guaranteed options and clever creative to get in front of the right homeowners in your market or property owners in your market? Yeah, it absolutely has. It absolutely has. So on our business development side, the conversations that we're having about bringing on new property owners or in the past, it was, hey, look, let's just target this one complex or this other complex mm -hmm. because we have a really good idea of how this would fit into our business model. And now this is allowing us to consider other complexes, other property owners also that previously may not have been the best fit for the traditional short-term rental. The folks that, as a great example, we have a complex here called Lost Key. It's a wonderful golf course community. They've got four high-rises there. They're behind the eight ball though, because they're not on the beach and there's so much beach inventory. A property like that previously, I may not have tried to pick up to put in our typical short-term rental pool. All right. The, what we try to do with essentially all of the properties. Again, we tailored the program a little bit for each one, but that wouldn't have been on my radar. And now with an option like this, the conversation with that property owner is, hey, look, you know, it may not be the best fit. And they don't always like to hear that, but I like to rip the Band-Aid off and just go ahead and put it out there. It may not be the best fit for traditional short terminals, but we have another option. And that is where you're not able to use it for, say, 45 weeks out of the year, but you are the seven. And we can help you pick those seven and have a conversation with, one, how much they're worth on the rental market, and just traditional short terminal, and what they're worth to you as the property owner. And that's been very well received. And so it's our goal that as we start to peel out of our summer season, that the effort is going to be, and I hadn't thought about white labeling it, but instead to have this as an option. So that way we can approach Tan and say, hey, look, this is the complex I'd like to bring on. I'd like to spend our marketing dollars and our time to specifically onboard new property owners here. Is this one that you're interested in? And if so, partner together to allow me to bring that inventory on, grow my portfolio, and then have more units enrolled in the TAN program. Mm -hmm. I'm going to switch gears slightly then to that a little bit less on the marketing side, a little bit more on the operations side, because my understanding from our outline here is that you actually have a little bit more kind of boots on the ground that you handle a little bit there. So maybe I'll go towards Scott direction to get his thoughts on that. So is that the case here? So we don't necessarily have TAN contractor employees. We kind of rely on JD's team to do some of the actual on the boots on the ground maintenance. Yeah, that's it. In this case, JD's all in. He is the service provider end to end, right? So he's providing inventory and he's he's caring for the experience. And it's funny, keep in mind, JD and I haven't interacted, right? Other than sending money and signing papers, right? Has been my extent. But in just in the right, the 20 minutes we've been on this call, you look at it and just we're in business with the right people, right? JD tells an amazing story. I'm sitting here proud that we do business with him. This is it, it's incredible. Right, you listen to his story, you listen to what he's been through. This is solid, but Conrad on the operations side, we don't trust everyone with operations, right? <laughs> I am, I put a lot in operations, right? I'm the operations grown on our side of the world. So giving up operations has been a scary point for us. But again, then you look at 
and we watch, right? We got, we sent the first people there, then we sent the second people there, and then the third people. And by the fourth round, Moose is just a few doors down. He comes running into my office, right? And it's, we're week four and he's like, dude, JD's crushing it. The guests are freaking out. They love it. The clients love this place. And so every aspect of this seems to be a home run. And to Adam's point, that's what we're trying to build. And there's others. We talked to a group yesterday and they were opposite from JD. And the fact that they're like, they're the same in him of, we have so much, we don't know what to do with it. We have so much, we're not sure. There's even segments that we don't want. And the funny part for them is they don't want some of the bigger stuff. But then their other side of it was, and you can operate it, right? They look at it and go, they knew they were at capacity, so they're going to shift. So it's not always easy giving up operational control, but you take an operation like JD's and and it's been a no-brainer for us. Just incredible, an incredible match. And I will say, going back to JD's intro, I think we should start collecting check marks or have a little notch for everyone that has been tricked into this industry. And just pulled <laughs> it. like, I don't know, I was walking one day and the next thing I know I was managing. My family heart. in this case too. <laughs> family got him into it. I need a favor. What? That's yeah. Not a favor. <laughs> You got to watch out with with friends like that or family like that. I guess who needs enemies? But uh, let me touch on that operations piece. And I, I definitely echo Scott's sentiment. I love your story, JD. And I always laugh when we talk about how people got into the industry because the majority of people just fell into it. But uh, related to, to operations, I think that goes back to one of the areas that we've touched on and the flexibility of TAN, right? We want to talk with the partners and understand them. And to Scott's point, we want to choose the right partners. And I think that as the economy and as this market is adjusting, we're going to even be more strict around the type of partners that we want to work with. We want to make sure that we're working with the right partners, with the right units, and that we're providing great experiences. Because as I mentioned, our goal as a club is to create engaged travelers. If these people are not traveling, they're not going to pay their annual fees, and we're going to be out of business relatively quickly. So our goal is to make sure that these people have great travel experiences. A lot of that is on us because they're part of our club. We're going to handle guest services. We're going to have to handle their calls if there are any issues. But we all recognize that in this industry, the real experience is on the ground. So we want to make sure that we've got the right people that are on the ground. And to Scott's point, when you release that control of arguably the most important part of that experience, there's some trepidation behind that. So we do want to make sure that we've got the right partners. As Scott mentioned, JD is, has been a fantastic partner. And I'm curious about how that has worked operationally when we get there. But the point I'll make is that we are flexible when we talk to these partners. And in some markets, the, the market Scott was just referring to about a discussion yesterday was Myrtle Beach. We've got, I don't know, close to 100 properties in Myrtle Beach. So we've got teams that can go there and operate relatively quickly. If we come to a new market, we can stand up a team and we're happy to do that. We're very experienced at finding remote teams and standing them up. But if we have the right partner, I would much rather let them manage the units that they know. And I think there's two benefits that I'll mention there is, one, these units stay with them. We're not the management company when we buy inventory or buy weeks like this. The home stays with JD, adding value to his overall company. The relationship with the homeowner stays with JD and his team so that they maintain the relationship and that they are able to grow that relationship. But on the homeowner side, the homeowner feels confident that, hey, I know who I'm working with. These are the people that I hired. It's not as if you're just letting Tan take this over. And then once you have those boots on the ground, they also know the units, which again, adding confidence to the homeowner's relationship but it's also much easier for them because they've been dealing with these units for an extended time to go in and operate. 
So what that, and um, this will lead back into JD's answer here, but what we typically do is we'll be managing the reservations and the guest services. So if there is an issue, our team gets called and then we've got to then have a liaison with our partners so that then the partners can go out and execute on the ground. JD, how has that been with you from an operation perspective as we've gotten guests to move through? Have you seen opportunities to improve? Are things going smoothly? What What's your experience been on the operation side? Yeah, sure. So initially, that, that same concern that you mentioned, that trepidation, I don't know who the guests are that are coming in. And that's something that's very atypical in the industry. Like we talk with them over the phone and an email and text. We've got a, a concerted chain of communication that's happening before they get here. While they're here, we develop a relationship with them. I heard somebody say once that we use technology, but we're in the hospitality industry. And so I really I love that that saying because I want to make sure that our guests know that we care and that we provide a great experience and not having total control over the guests, just like you were saying, with TAN not having total control over operations, there's a little uncertainty. But you know what? It's worked out fantastic for us. We've had a great experience with all the guests that have come in. We, we have I was concerned what we have, wear and tear or any kind of damage. None of that's happened. It's been a great, like I said, overall great experience. Now, with my property owners, what they really found value in is that same relationship that we try to build with the guests. We do with our property owner partners. They know me. They know all of my staff. Heck, they may even know the housekeeper that's taking care of their unit that's assigned to it. And so for me to be able to tell them that we'll be in your property once a week, every Saturday, cleaning it, taking a look at it was a really good feeling for them because this was new. All right. This is something they'd never heard of that we're going to guarantee you some revenue and you're going to only be able to get into it for seven weeks as opposed to it's Wednesday and let's see, maybe we'll come in this weekend. And so they're not able to put their eyes on it as a property owner that, that bought this primarily as a vacation home. Okay. And when I'm able to tell them, listen, we're still going to handle operations. We'll handle check-in, we'll handle checkout, we'll handle housekeeping, we'll handle maintenance, we'll be in there every single Saturday, making sure it's in good shape. Man, that found a great, that just was a great peace of mind to these property owners and really helped us sell the program. Yeah. So for me, it would have to fit that way, frankly. Giving up operations would be very difficult to consider. I mean, it would absolutely have to fit in this way. And luckily, it's been a great experience. And I think that's one that we'll continue to be able to grow with TAN, our inventory, and add more into it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What else do you think here, Adam? Is there other pieces that we should be kind of picking apart here? I think we've done a really good job of overviewing the process, like beginning, middle, end, ops, marketing, like... 100%. I think we covered it on the TAN side. I'm curious, JD, what are you seeing in the market down there? I know you mentioned a little bit about having a lot of inventory. And I think you and I touched on the past. There were some acquisitions and companies, larger companies had moved in and maybe that moved some of the inventory your way. But what are you seeing from a booking perspective? Is it slowing down, ADRs? How do you view the rest of 23 and as we move into 24? Yeah, we talked briefly uh, about how there's been a lot of market consolidation amongst the vacation rental managers. And that's true here. And it's created some separation in my market where you have a big box and then you have a boutique. And some people love the idea of a big box. Other ones want that boutique concierge level type stuff. And we try to give them the ladder there. When a property owner comes on, I tell them that we have three objectives. And one is a happy property owner partner. Okay. Two, that we're hitting their objectives. Okay. Three, that we're maximizing revenue, which is obviously an objective of ours. And so it's working great on the supply side with our property owners. Where I'm seeing some changes is that the supply side overall in our industry is beginning to eclipse our demand. Okay. Not so much in the summer, but if you look at, you look at Airbnb, you can look at VRBO and figure out how many more units they've added as marketplace websites. Right. And 
in our area, and the numbers are crazy, it's like 25% more units than they had compared to 2019. And so seeing all of this huge supply add up, obviously will affect occupancy, obviously will affect ADR, and it will affect our lead time. So again, for me, ADR is a little bit up, occupancy is a little bit down, lead time is down a lot. I had a family walk into my office that drove down from wherever in the United States, and I need a place to stay for a week today. That's a zero lead time. That's unheard of. And we're seeing that more and more nowadays. Um, as far as the industry and where it's headed, I think we're going to see some more regulation. Having spent some time on that local tourism board here, I contended with that just a little bit. The wonderful thing is that'll also bring some advocacy. Like for me, Perdido Key is Southwest Pensacola. And a lot of the folks that live in Southwest Pensacola don't know that all the vacation rental properties here collectively are tied to about 50% of the county's tax revenues. Okay, by way of property tax, tourist development tax, discretionary surtax, fuel tax, things like that. And so I think that we'll, if we weren't already mainstream, we'll have people in neighborhoods talking about this, not just the ones that are having to contend with a rental next door, but just in general, because as more regulation happens, more advocacy happens, and we'll see communities like Perdido, we'll see communities like Pensacola Beach, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach continue to do well. And I'm not sure what that'll do for Pensacola proper here for us, what that regulation will do, but some of it's necessary. Safety, tax collection, things like that. It's absolutely necessary. So a lot of good changes, I think. I think most of our bad changes, the ones that concern people, that would be too much supply, okay? And it affecting the rate of return of a lot of these investment properties. I think that's probably plateaued. And moving forward, it'll be more just the social issues, how it affects people in different neighborhoods and communities. Yeah, and it's part of an industry growing up. And I'm of the same mindset. I think that the changes that are coming are going to be good changes, or at least we're going to turn them into good changes with the efforts that we make. I'll mention one thing to you, JD, because you, I like your concept of tech and hospitality, right? At the end of the day, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, we try to focus uh, zero in on hospitality. We all believe on the podcast here, that's the next evolution in this industry is really to bring hospitality up to that next level. So if you haven't read it, I think you really enjoy Unreasonable Hospitality. That's a book that we've been talking about for the past couple months. It's a really good book. It's centered around a restaurant, the number one restaurant in the world at the time in New York City. But you can carry over everything that he's talking about in that book directly into vacation rentals and directly into your business. I'll absolutely read it. And folks that don't think that it's hospitality and that it's mostly tech just can't get on board with that mind frame. Like we try to do a lot of stuff for our guests. There's a company that does a really good job at helping us provide experiences with our guests, whether it be deep sea fishing or golfing or access to dolphin boat cruises or water park stuff. And we include that with all of our vacationers. I want them to tie those memories to their trip here. And it's just huge. So 100% hospitality and we leverage a great tech stack. So I couldn't agree with you more. I'll have to check out that book. Yeah. Okay. Conrad, and I see the same grin on your face. You had never talked to JD. I haven't. And JD, you just outlined everything that we've talked about. We just wrapped up another podcast right before this one and hit on just about every point that you talked about in your own business, right? This is about hospitality. This isn't about service. Technology doesn't provide hospitality. It can, enables, it can enable you to provide hospitality, but service and hospitality are two different things. So you look at this and this is just amazing reassurance that we're, the right message is out there and we're partnered with the right people like JD. JD, can't say enough good things about you. It is, it's incredible to have you as a partner. We appreciate you. And even how you've shared some of your personal stuff today and your journey is just, it's incredible. We are, we're proud to be with you and we're better to be partners with you for sure. So I appreciate the kind words. I'm glad we're all working together, my friend. I'm glad we're all working together. It's, I think that we'll continue this partnership.
We're awesome. excited to hear that. Yeah, that's good to hear all around. We really do appreciate your time, JD, and your honest take on what it's like to be down there in your market, what it's like to connect and be part of this RevBoost Collective entity or thing that Adam's put together. I think he's done a great job of raising visibility and hopefully giving people more options. And ultimately, that's, I think, what you did a good job of explaining well great to have options, both in marketing and in operations and actually having these other properties that you can help. And then we can put more people on vacation. It's win, win, win all around, honestly, which is definitely something that I, I look for in these types of relationships. If we don't have anything else, we can put a bow on this one. Thanks to JD for his time. Thanks Adam and Scott for joining me as always. If you've gotten any value out of this episode, we always appreciate a review. So head on over to your favorite podcast app of choice, leave us a review. That means a ton to us. More people can listen and hear stories from folks like JD. So we thank you guys thank and- you. Well, great the only plug I'll give here to close out, yep. Conrad, is if anybody's interested in joining RevBoost or talking more about TAN, please feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to talk about it. Absolutely. We actually have a link in the show notes, by the way. I don't mention it enough. So thank you, Adam. If you go to the show notes of any episode that we've had, not just this one, but any episode, I always have a link to that RevBoost collective landing page that people can tap on and come check out what we have to offer. A simple form they can fill out and get in touch with Adam and he can close that deal. Maybe he missed JD the first time. I might pass time. it over to Brian because apparently, <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's, apparently he's pretty good too. <laughs> it's a very Kobe and Shaq type scenario there. So. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We thank everybody for their time again. Appreciate it. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.